Craig and welcome, welcome, welcome back to the 84th rendition of Cooped Up Conversations with Aaron, Joey, Prokop, and me, Cooper. And joining us today, a very special guest, a heavy hitter in the comedy scene out here, uh, doing shows all up and down. You do, do comedies all over the place. Photographer, American hero, veteran. I mean, the man. The myth, the legend himself, Mr. Buddha Joe. How are you doing today? Thank you for joining us. Thank you, man. I appreciate the, uh, the introduction. A uh, little, little grandiose, but much appreciated. <laughs> I mean, what can I say? But um, so Buddha Joe, you're obviously uh, you you uh, uh, see. I hate coming in. I, the first few minutes are always rough because then we try to like make it sound like we prepare and stuff like that, and that's never how it actually is. <laughs> But Buddha Joe, one of the people who have made the biggest impression on me that I, since I've come to the scene, you had the business card when I first met you, which I thought was very, that was very professional. You took it that step that I haven't seen any other comic really do around here. And it's, it's stuck with me, but you've been grinding. How long have you been doing the comedy stuff? Um, I, I kind of know, but obviously our listeners don't. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, I've been doing comedy uh, full time. Well, I've been doing, I started comedy about two and a half years ago. Uh, maybe a little bit more than that at this point. Uh, I've been doing comedy and photography and hustling for myself full time for the past year. So, so you, for, obviously, you've told me, but these guys don't know. You quit your government job and you've been grinding out doing photography. Doing what made you just decide one day? To, did you like prepare or anything? Like you knew you had a time period that you were going to quit um, that job, or did you just kind of just get up one day and go, "I'm kind of done doing this." I got up one day and I said, I'm done doing it, man. I'm 37, so a little bit older for the comedy game, especially for a newbie. But every job I've had since I was in the military, man, I got out when I was 20, uh, three years in Iraq, or three years in the military, a year in Iraq looking for IEDs. And it seems like every job I've gotten, I've either done well, perfected, and got bored and left. But this, this last federal job really just was killing me slowly every day on the inside. Man. It was providing for me financially. Um, but I would come home and, you know, I'm a little bit ashamed to say, but I would sit on the toilet with just my phone and a beer and a cigarette or a joint and just sit there for three hours, just comatose, man. It, it, and plus quarantine and all that, man. I just, one day, I just was so frustrated that I, I had a thought. It was like, if not now, then when if now it's not the time to you know in the midst of quarantine and all this shit if right now is not the time to proceed whatever you wanted then there is no time so i just pull the trigger man i don't recommend it for anybody because it's been it's been the toughest thing i've ever done in my life including spending a tour in iraq looking for ieds man this is way tougher bro you so You'd say that this is you'd you'd say that it's tougher than going and seeing combat searching for IEDs. This is a tougher thing to do. That that's crazy. What like, it is, man? It is. One thing hearing about that story that I was a little bit curious about, um, and this is the little bit of the ADD in me. I wanted to ask why the toilet. Did you sit with your pants down the whole time, or was it kind of like you would sit there 
just because of like the height of the toilet? What made you choose the cho- toilet to sit at? I was just so comatose. I would come home, and I wasn't supposed to s- smoke in my apartment building, but so I would turn on the shower just to cover up like whatever smell, hopefully the steam or some shit. I don't know, man. Yeah, the Jamaican just... hot box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. That's it's a, that's my high school it's special. Dorm room trip. <laughs> yeah, I had, dude, I had no idea that was the thing. So, when did did you start doing comedy? Did you uh, when you were up here in Westfield, or was that something that you started when you were down in New York and then you moved up here to Westfield? Like, uh, what, what, like, where was the first time you ever did stand up? Do you remember that uh, that time? Yeah, the first time I ever did stand-up was at Bishop's Lounge in uh, Northampton. I um, I actually, this is going to sound super egocentric, but a few years ago, um, just because I'm well-known in Western Mass, I would go anywhere, and people would know me, and it kind of got sick of me. So I looked where I would go as far as far out from Westfield, and kind of equidistant was Hartford. So I would ride my motorcycle out there and I just stopped around in different places. And I kind of, I, I found CT in, in Hartford and I went there for an improv show. And it just so happened a month later while bartending in Northampton, I yield watering hole. Someone came in from Hartford, West Hartford area, who was a comedian, um, who really inspired me to do comedy. And um, I tried it for the first time. And I was hooked, but it was just hooked. That's crazy. Uh, I, it, it's weird that, um, I don't know. I, the one thing that I've noticed is st- once I, when I started comedy was the, how weird that first like few months is before you get like the dynamics and stuff. It, like, I'm starting to feel like I'm settling in now, but when I first came out, like that was one thing that kind of spooked me. I thought I've told everybody, all the comics that we've had on here, I thought everybody's like thing was to constantly be fucking with each other. And there was like constantly bits and everyone was like in on, like, I thought this was like a, like a club. I didn't realize the dynamic until recently. And it's like, dude, comedy's been nuts. Last night, man, I, there was some of the stories we heard were just absurd. I was a bad transition, but I'm trying to think of how to word it without doxing uh, Mr. Nick James, dude. I'll cut his name out, but. Yeah, Mr. Nick James, yeah. Dude. Uh, I will say, man, like comedy, you know, people have a certain a certain idea of what the scene is. But the scene is very fluid, man. You know, it's it's depending on person to person, even like uh, state to state, you know, because I don't give a fuck. I'll go on record saying, man, like there's some people in comedy, man, who are just really not good people, dude. Like, um, there seems I'm like some gonna... assholes, yeah, just in general, yeah. I mean, we're comedians. We all have egos, and uh, it's really yeah. hard for me, personally, to take the W's from comedy for what I get because I see the way the egos intertwine in some people, and it, it's just not what I want to do. It's not my vibe, man. So, what one thing I wanted to kind of talk about um, a little bit because uh, I was talking to Kev uh, after the show that you had me on last week. And yeah. we're having him on the podcast and stuff. The Nook is a a great spot, man. The only way I can describe it to like these guys is that like it was it's somewhere like that in our high school they would des- if they had a chance to design a bar like that's what it would be, and it's a cool vibe. But you're, I feel like you're open mic, especially for the most part. You you always have like an environment where everyone normally kind of gets along, and I feel like 
it's like one of my favorite environments to come to because of that because i feel like so many of the open mics man like especially if it's just comics you just like don't get anything from them that it's tough to tell if you're actually doing good or not you know what i mean and then you get you you really have set up an environment up at the nook that i've enjoyed coming to because i come up there and it's like a real true tell of like hey like some of the stuff i might be doing that i hasn't maybe worked might work it's just it's just weird man like you said the scene's different it's fluid it changes from place to place granted i always make fun of connecticut too which i feel like is not the vibe uh when i'm in a connecticut place it's probably comes off as a little elitist but this state i don't know um well you're not from connecticut so i don't feel bad for bashing it it's the weirdest state i've ever been in in my entire life man it's the weirdest state well i uh i'm working on a joke about that actually it's like in the shadow of new york but not new york you know (laughs) but it's like the closest to new york so people it's just weird vibe it we so Aaron actually got in a fight with one of the comics that we had on because I compared Connecticut to New Jersey. And then they had about a 45 minute duel about why Connecticut or New Jersey was better. And it was just funny that the whole conversation was about which one of them was like more like New York to make it better. <laughs> but well, so it, man, I, I said one from New York. I think that's bullshit, dude, because... And you have a bit about this too, Cooper. I believe, like, you know, people from Boston, whoever, I forgot the exact uh, dynamics of it, but it's like, people have so much power, but you have no, you have no uh, choice in being in that place, so what the fuck are we doing? Yeah, I, yeah, that, that's what it was. I, I, I make fun of New York people because there's just people on, like, I'm on TikTok, and that's where I get a lot of, like, my, like, stuff that fires me up. Because I'll yeah. watch people and there's just people whose whole personality is them getting chopped cheeses and stuff. And like, that's just yeah. not a personality. Just like the people who like make Dunkin' Donuts and wearing shorts in the winter. And that's like, it, and like how they love Tom Brady. And that makes them like a person. It's like, no, you're just a fucking NPC character from Boston. And then Connecticut's the mix of both of them. and has no actual like soul itself. It's just like the, it's the Kansas of the, the, of New England, it's just a drive-through state. It's a. You know I, I can see that, man. Especially the comedy, because I'm, I'm a baby in the game. Man. You know, I'm, I'm really young in the game. But the thing with me is that I do this full time. And as far as appreciate you saying what you said about the nook and the vibe here, and I started saying this as kind of like a thing, but it's true. When you're at the nook, you're home. Uh, the difference is that we are a community here. I see comedy. It's kind of like a, a weird, what's that complex when um, the aggressor or kidnapper, uh, the person falls in love with them? Stockholm Syndrome. Oh. Um, what was that? Yeah, Stockholm Syndrome. Stockholm Syndrome, yes. People in the comedy game are so used to being taken advantage of and abused for their time, money, and talent. And now it's gotten to a place where people are fighting each other to be put in a position to be abused. And yep. when you get that pat on the ass and that, that slap on the back, you feel all giddy and your tail wags, but they're still taking advantage, advantage of you. It's just weird Stockholm gatekeeping uh, thing, which doesn't exist at the Nook, man. Because when I collaborated with these guys, I started the open mic here. August will be two, uh, one year, rather. And when... I, I told, when they brought me on full-time, I said, okay, fine, but I have one non-negotiable rule, 
which is the comedians that work this room are going to get paid well. And to my surprise, the owners, all of them who are old band heads and travel their own country, the response was like, yeah, no doubt. And I breathe such a sigh of relief. And that is one thing I will never budge on. Everybody who works the room will be compensated in some way besides a pat on the shoulder and a smack on the ass because that is what we're building here now. Like, you, you gave me the... the... The, like the guest spot went uh like literally the day up basically and they they gave i wasn't expecting anything i was literally just expecting the time getting up there like i just was like this is a, like i appreciated the opportunity and then i got the fucking gift card from kev i was like damn dude like, i appreciate it you guys definitely there's definitely a it, it and like he got the sandwich and shit for free which is also hype because i was working uh did not have much money till payday that's but one second buddha joe i hate to cut you off yeah. but i just wanted to say on the record just just to prove a point to aaron that i genuinely do apologize i went off and i also went off on speech text because aaron rubbed me the wrong way and i was having a bad day on doing my a way little to trolling. i was doing a, lot it was of a little bit of trolling too. aaron's the aaron's our resident troll but the thing is is if it catches you the wrong way then you become the victim and I like literally just was pissed. I hadn't filled my gas tank up for a, a little bit. I just paid all the fucking bills. I had no money in my account. I go fill my tank. It's 65 bucks. And I literally just throw in our friend's group chat. I go, Jesus, gas was 65 bucks. And Aaron goes, no, like no one fucking cares or something like that. Something like <laughs> dick. I, said. I went said. off. Like, God. dude, I went off with a voice text with words that I have not said uh, like oh, in a sure. long time. Almost like an odyssey of text. No, no, no. It was no. I, I, I'll admit it. I took it too far after. But what I said originally was set it off. Was I said, let's not talk about gas prices because I don't want to feel old. Because I was like, yeah, was and then it it brought, yeah. All and right, then it, and, then, and then you went off after. That's right. But yeah. regardless, I just wanted to apologize on the it's record, okay. Aaron. And I will that apologize was, too. That was a bad move on my part. It was you bad didn't for say the brand. Bad. You didn't no, say it wasn't bad. No, I didn't say anything bad. But the problem is, is I never use voice text. But I was driving, and I'm like, I'm not let. Like, I should have let it wait 45 minutes because then I wouldn't have texted at all. But then once I didn't, I was just like, that's fucking just it. And I'm in just, Spain, like probably drunk, just like yeah. And I I knew that going into it, and I it still it still fucked me up. Just like I shouldn't have been bothered by the fucking capture card and Twitch not working earlier, and it ruined my. I had a great day. Ruined my day. 30 minutes of our life off and on the Twitch stream. The one time I try to make our fucking thing better and like, oh, look at us. We're investing. We're trying to do good things. Put us on camera. Make us look official. And Twitch goes like, go fuck yourself. Ruins it for 30 minutes. Ruin my whole day. I'm still a little amped up about it. But no, literally, it's not a big fucking deal. It, exactly. But I don't have a fucking control over my anger. And that's why I smoke weed. But I just wanted to apologize to Aaron on the record, even though you'll never listen to the podcast anyway. Um, but Buddha Joe, yeah, going back to what you said, yeah, like, dude, I I felt bad because there was some guy in Boston, I'm not going to say his name, I did a show, like, same thing, not expecting to get paid, I they told me I was going to get paid, so once they told me I was getting paid, I was like, oh, okay, I'm getting paid, gave them the Venmo, waited a couple weeks, nothing, so I, like, hit my buddy, the guy who gave me the opportunity up, asked him again and he was like oh like he should he should have sent it to you and this guy who sh should have paid me said the same thing he's like oh my bookkeeper must not have sent it blah 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 and then i waited another month and i finally hit him up again i'm like dude and i didn't even say anything in like an aggressive way like i didn't i wasn't upset at all i was like genuinely if you're not gonna pay me for the show that's fine but like 
been like a month and a half. You know what I mean? And it's like, I'll forget about it. But it's also like out of the principle. I don't want to forget about it and then be the guy who like doesn't get paid if you promise to pay him and like lets that happen. It was like a weird thing. I probably shouldn't have chased him down over the fucking money. Oh, bucks, but whatever. No, listen, it's the principle, to, to be honest, Cooper. I have, um, so I did a show without naming names. I did a show recently um, out of state, which was with the lineup, probably my, my most heavy hitting show I've ever done. Mm-hmm. People who, after it was me, and then people from HBO, Showtime, and Headliner, and I was promised, you know, 300 bucks, hotel room, the whole nine. I got a hundred bucks. Hotel room card, whoever booked it didn't go through. So I paid it. A buck eighty, two hundred with tax. Oh. Thinking people would get me back. Nothing. It was ghost for like two months. But here's the thing. Um, being like a heavy hitting comedian, um, they they came back to the nook um to support a friend of theirs who was headlining, felt very terrible. Um, I didn't pressure them and heard about it a couple of times like you did. But this person brought me a check for like two fifty, um, which was great. But at the time, I felt super like bad. I felt like I was taking advantage of. But you know what? Um, chalked it up to taking me loose and just committed myself to the fact that that would never happen to me again. Yeah, it's man. Tough. Tough. That must have been low key brutal, especially thinking you're going to come out of the weekend up 300 bucks and like have the hotel and then come out down basically 280 or whatever like that sucks that's a it, that does, kind of... it, it does suck but here's the thing man um i got the name buddha joe for a reason it was given to me seven years ago from a friend of mine i used to be samoan joe and speaking of anger before that i used to be baghdad joe different story for a different time but the the big thing man is per- perspective shift so instead of being upset at the money i lost i did a shift perspective and saw it as oh wow me because i brought my girl with me to the show crown plaza hotel you know just vibing we had a good time the next day we went out to eat i didn't let it affect me but my perspective shift was like wow me and my girl spent an awesome weekend at this place and these people paid for half the day night See, no. see, that's a good way to think about it. Like, I've been trying, see, that's what I, I've been reading, uh, like, more, f- like, stoic books, like, in philo- f- philosophical, I'm trying to get kind of those, like, different mindsets of kind of, like, being able to kind of switch your perspective on things like that, just for that exact reason, because I know it does have an impact, and, like, um, that's why I was trying to make a joke about it the other day, I couldn't remember, I didn't word it right, but I'm trying to figure out how to do that, because I want to, like, change that initial gut reaction like today i shouldn't have been pissed off about the twitch thing but i was and i shouldn't have but i guess the only perspective thing is is that i got to yell at pro cop which is dope because i don't have, <laughs> like he, he i feel bad because every once in a while we'll like get mad at pro cop because pro cop like pushes his communist agenda and shit and i got way too mad at him last time um listening back to the the Jaden and Chet episode. Sorry, Prokop. That's not a lot of apologies on today's thing. No apologies for Joe yet. (laughs) But dude, Prokop was fucking, I can't remember what you said, dude, but we came at you pretty hard. And then Chet went off about his oysters thing. It was a whole, whole ordeal. (laughs) It it turned on a dime too. I forget what it was. Uh, uh, Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know. From. Like it, it was something. I, yeah, every once in a while when I listen back, I'm like, damn, poor pro cup. You, I'm hoping your audio comes through this time because the last few times you've been dead quiet. But yeah, I don't know it, why it doesn't come through. Oh, good. You sound mix. so good right now. Yeah, you thank sound, you. you sound, this is my radio. He always voice. sounds good though, but then it doesn't come through. Yeah. Yeah, got kind of a sultry. Like, hey, what's up? Uh, after midnight radio station DJ kind of voice going on. He's a smooth jazz man. Dude. <laughs> I, That's I, what he is. I was like actually looking like at Twitch, like, oh, can I just do like a radio show? That'd be so fun to just like play different playlists or whatever. I'm like, nope, that's like they will not allow you to do that. They will shut you down. If you, ever you can do it with do like that. Weston, like Dario and uh, Collins music and stuff like that. There's definitely Chris Jewell. Go back yeah. to listen to the Chris Jewell episode. He he, uh, his band's starting to do stuff. Um, but yeah, so boo. Joe, on top of comedy, you also said uh, that you do photography. Um, what what's the what's the kind of photography that you you said you did? You did like you, you do like the George Costanza like uh, kind of like tasteful photography as well. Oh, I do. I don't know what the George Costanza reference is, but I I, I do uh, <laughs> I do, sure. I do boudoir. Uh, boudoir. Which is I'll send you a picture of what. It, so so what? Explain that to the because I didn't know what that, what that was until you explained it to me. Uh, boudoir, there's, there's many styles of boudoir. Um, I guess if I had to describe it, it'd be, uh, as far as what I'm concerned, my style is tasteful, yet suggestive pictures of women in lingerie. Or, I mean, boudoir doesn't have to be about skin. I've done boudoir pictures with uh, a person who was wanted to be suggestive, but super modest. So we did like a... a a long sleeve turtleneck boudoir with like boy shorts and like it, it's different different vibe and i also i do headshots for comedians um a weird mix i know i did a i also do doudoirs because if you know me you know my whole thing is uh feel beautiful man and i'm a big proponent of men being able to embrace their vulnerabilities uh next year i'm coming out with a calendar it's an all-male calendar with comedians in various forms of undress, um, just being funny and embracing who they are because what are we doing out here, you know? We live in a world where if anybody saw, like, a woman crying at a bar, they would be concerned and probably think who, what guy is responsible for this atrocity. But if a grown man was at a bar or somewhere else crying, people would be like, what the fuck is wrong with this creep? You know, yeah. so... There's a, there's a double standard there, man. You know, working in the service industry, and uh, it's it's a tough thing. But my, my photography, actually, I brought that philosophy to comedy because what I would say in my studio with different clients, and as you heard, I'm sure, Cooper, what I say on stage means a lot to me. It is so rare to find a place in people with whom we can be unequivocally ourselves without fear. This is the place. We are the people, man. That means so fucking much to me, dude. Yeah, I that, love that. Yeah, dude. Oh. That the first time I heard that, uh, like, it definitely kind of was like, damn, this is. That was uh, it's, you should put that on a t-shirt or get. You know what you should you should get, do? You should have it. Uh, have that like kind of like the Notre Dame quote, like play like a champion today, but have that like on top on like a painting or something like that. Motivational yeah. poster. Yeah, it dude, is kind of long. But I have a certain aesthetic. I mean, I'm either inspirational or motivating. Like, if you look at my posts on social media, especially on Facebook, where I'm a little more personal, it's either about comedy, 
how I love people and how I love big butts. Like, <laughs> it's a weird fucking, you heard me the comment, know. I talk about eating ass and like, I have a hoodie I'm wearing today. Um, I'm think, you know, thankful for the, the cool weather. It's an eyeball, a fork and a knife and the donkey um, on the <laughs> shirt. And people, people don't get it. And I'm like, give it a minute. And they wait and they're like, oh, fuck, you nasty ass. I eat at like, I'm like, yeah, but I had to make you, I made your brain do it. <laughs> Dude, that's fucking mad funny. You have that in like a, you have that in like a t-shirt too, right? Because I've definitely seen you with that before. That's mad Yeah, funny. I have it in a t-shirt, I have it in a hoodie, man. I, you know, it is what it is, man. You have to embrace the duality, bro. You have to embrace it, man. It's key. What made you start eating ass? Is that like a post-Iraq thing or was that a pre-Iraq thing? No, the post-Iraq thing. It, it just, you know, um, I just tried it one day. But of course, there has to be a, a, a conversation had beforehand. I actually had a girl try to do it to me one time with no conversation. And my instincts kicked in. Like, my knees just locked jaw on her head. And oh, tapped out. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? You can't just ninja my bow without a conversation. You know? Right. That is that is very <laughs> valid. You, do they you call cannot it, do, do they, that without the conversation? Do they call you? Do they call you Bunda Joe? No. Uh, you should call yourself that. Maybe, dude. I thought about <laughs> switching it because on my some social media, I'm Joey Buddha, uh, and I'm Buddha, Buddha Joe. But sometimes when I introduce myself as Buddha Joe, people hear Booty Joe. <laughs> Which is also a good name, but you know, not not what I'm going for. You know, that's not your whole thing. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to ask me yet. Big Boone to no, Joe. No, I know, dude. But I've branded myself so well. I think over the past few years, where all my friends who are uh, they don't have enough, uh, as we say in the army, intestinal fortitude to post these ass eating memes themselves, they'll send it to me, uh, knowing 100% I will. <laughs> <laughs> vicariously through me that's bad fucking funny um, oh we'll plug it in this stuff but if for people listening maybe they don't see the instagram post you want to just plug what your uh socials are yeah on uh instagram it is a uh, buddha joe comedy b-u-d-d-h-a joe comedy and then my photography page is joe a model photography so j-o-e-a-m-a-d-o photography there you go. We'll put it in the we'll put it in the stuff, but it's uh everybody that we, I send the podcast out to, they like they get comfortable with whatever way they see it. So like some of them see it through the Instagram and they'll see the post and go and follow and then other people we got to chase down to make them do stuff. So go I follow that. But it's um it's not funny. Oh shit. What did I have for you? I had a question. So, oh, this is this is a a, a question I had and you don't so I couldn't tell if it was a bit or not. When you signed up for the army, did you genuinely think you were signing up to go build houses and they stuck you getting, doing the role that you said you did go and find IEDs or did you yeah, like, kind of know signing was, up? No, dude, that's 100% facts, bro. I, uh, I signed up at 17. I was a smart kid. I just didn't apply myself, skip school a lot. Once I discovered weed, it was a wrap. Like, <laughs> You know, so uh, I barely graduated and I saw the recruiters one time in my cafeteria and I uh, approached them and I, I left at 17 and signed the paperwork and my recruiter told me legit I was going to be building houses. And after training or during training, I realized the mistake I made. And uh, to further add insult to injury, I, I volunteered to be a paratrooper. 
So I went to Fort Benning for Airborne School. And then I came home for what we called HRAP, which is hometown recruiting, where you try to trick your friends to joining too after seeing how badass you are. And I went to the recruiting office to give my recruiter a piece of my mind and realized that I was the last recruit he enlisted before he himself got out of the army, bro. No fucks given. <laughs> Dude, that's low-key fucked. You'd think that like he'd want to give back and be like, yeah, I kind of maybe want to steer the last person in the right direction. Instead, he steered no. you right into the fucking front lines. That is nuts. Especially because you, you signed up when you were in Queens, right? Like, so... Uh, yeah, dude, I, I signed up uh, in high school, dude, so I don't know. Dude, it's, it doesn't matter, man. There's, it's, it's more meat for the grinder, to be honest, man. Um, I, it actually taught me exactly what I need to know about the Army and the Army experience. You'll meet a bunch of different veterans who have different opinions, but for me, it wasn't for God and country. It was for upward social mobility, man. I come from a very poor inner-city family, first-generation American, and uh, for better or worse, I'm actually very thankful for my experiences overseas. Um, There's definitely some residual character traits from my time overseas in the military, but I shudder to think of the person I would be without that experience. See, that was the thing, especially because you're very open, I feel like, about, like, you're not obviously... In direct experience but you like that you're open uh, that you've had them and like someone i can't remember who it was the other day like got all up in your space and then you you like literally said like hey do you mind like not getting up in my space and then they kept doing it which kind of blew my mind because they like is, is someone who's been very open about it that was something that kind of was like damn could not believe well, they didn't well during the mic i also called that person out and see that was that was uh a double-edged sword for me because, yes, I have spoke about personal boundaries. There are some people who I feel comfortable with with giving a hug. Uh, The person you're speaking about with with no names being, you know, talked about, uh, female, and females in the game and comedy a little bit different in the sense that I I value everyone for their comedic talent, but because there are so many people in our industry who take advantage and or objectify women, I'm really conscious of the fact that I will appreciate a person for who they are and their comedic value, but especially another comedian, a colleague, I I did not cross that line. So this person walked in and was a little close. And when I, when I mentioned, you know, wanting them to please back up, they then proceeded to put their breasts on me and said, Oh, is it my tits? Which blew my mind. I've seen it before in the service industry the double standard because if a guy did that put his genitals on a, a, a woman it'd be a different story um i was like really disgusted and offended i didn't i didn't say much but i moved to the other side of the circle and this person followed me and came that close again and i said listen i'm very serious about my personal space which is i think a valid ask yeah um, dude especially if you were being mad respectful each time in the process that's why like i saw some i I don't know if that was the same sequence but it was like it was like very weird that especially with how open you are about it because i feel like people kind of like that that's just something i wouldn't like under i just don't get why people don't like understand that but that's nuts um it kind of still blows my mind that someone like would lie to someone and you said 
you signed up for the military for upward mobility. That kind of like blows my mind about the military and how they like recruit. That's kind of like really sad in my opinion is how like they kind of take advantage of that. That seems like fucked up. Like I couldn't imagine boldface lying to a 17 year old kid about putting you from building a house to defusing bombs. And you know what I mean? Like that's kind of a fucked up jump. It is man, but you have to look at the society we live in. Okay. Like, I, the military is full of people from areas of low opportunity. So a lot of inner city people and a lot of people from the sticks. Yeah. Facts. Yeah. Uh, I, had, I had a recruiter who was or a, a soldier um, who was a motor pool sergeant who previously was stationed as a recruiter. Dark black dude in like the middle of America, suburbia, in a well-to-do area. And he said he had the worst time. If people have opportunity, and okay, I know there are some people from the military family who do it for tradition because their uncles and dads and grandfather were in the service. I'm not talking about these people. But there's people who joined the military who are, are lied to, man. And um, in training, once I found out to my horror that I was going to be a combat engineer, uh, my drill sergeants were very, very clear with me with that within five to six months after graduating, I would be in a war zone looking for IEDs, and uh, I was, but it's the society we live in, man. Look at, like, I'm not a sports guy, um, which is crazy because all my family, I remember growing up watching the, the, the match or a fight or something on the, on the flat screen TV that was like three and a half fucking feet. That took up the whole fucking living room, um, but I never got into sports. And my my first job back from the military was at ESPN headquarters in Bristol, doing security. In which I almost got fired when I didn't recognize who the fuck Keyshawn Johnson was, <laughs> and he told me to call his limo and didn't give me a contact info. And my response was, "Who are you?" And he went ape shit. He was like, you don't know who I am? I'm like, listen, I just spent the last year in the desert looking for explosives. I don't know who you are. Do you know who I am? Yeah, do you know? That is awesome. I almost got fired, bro, because he said, well, my my response, the caveat to that was like, I'm assuming you play a game, so you catch a ball, throw a ball. And the only reason why I didn't get fired is because my supervisor, Steve, was also a combat veteran. And I told him that exact same thing. And he was really hard-pressed to find anything to say about that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, that's... I've, I've always had such bad interactions with people that are kind of like... Like, famous... I like the few times I've had besides like when I was younger, I went to the college, like the Cape Cod baseball league, which is like college baseball players. Those people are all nice normally, but I don't know. You you said you're not a sports guy, but Bobby, there's the Bruins player named Bobby, Bobby Orr, who people around Boston treat like he's like this God and this nice guy. He literally told me to fuck off when I was seven years old because I asked him for an autograph and he thought I was selling it. And, like, literally at a golf tournament made me cry in front of a crowd of people after signing a fucking ton of autographs. He's like, no, because you're going to fucking sell it, you scumbag, or something, like, crazy like that. Oh, I was just sitting there like, what the fuck? There's, like, a fucking, like, like, a kid. Nuts. Go fuck yourself. But, yeah, I would have, 
that must have been a really crazy experience not to kind of go off on him, I feel like. I you know what? I think it, for me, um, people, all right, so as, long, as far as the, the Buddha Joe name and the mentality goes, man, I've learned um, to really focus on myself and channel my, 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 what I think versus what people think or projections. Like even when I was a bartender and, and bouncer in Northampton, I had a woman one day who was really rude to me. And all I said was, hey, can I say something? Um, you're being really mean to me and you're hurting my feelings. And look at me. This fucking 300 pound, six foot tall dude with like tattoos, no sleeves and a bandana. And she said, yeah, well, you know what? You're a big guy. You can take it. And I said, that's true, but I just want to let you know. Fast forward to the end of the night and she walks up to me and she says, hey, um, I'm sorry. I was having a bad day. So it's, it's the hardest thing to do, but one of the most pivotal is, especially with people dissenting and, and different opinions, is just to view it some, from, one else, from someone else's perspective, man. Yeah, that's... Uh, the thing is, too, is you give, like, teddy bear vibes off, though. So, like, you say, like, you give off, like, the kind of, like, you have, like, the tattoos and stuff like that, but you, like... Obviously, you kind of have that next level, I'm sure. But for the most part, you seem like someone like that you kind of are uh, don't want to be bothered kind of person. But you're going to be like uh, you give a very honest kind of chill vibe. So that's that's kind of it's weird that people would be like intimidated by that or not expect you to be honest. Because well, I, I appreciate that, man. But my thing is like, say say you didn't know me, and you saw me walking down a dark alley towards you without ever having spoken to me. Not saying you would, but some people might have a preconceived notion or two. And valid. I'm scared of Joey walking down an alley. I'd low key just <laughs> scared at night. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like, it's, you know, uh, I have a story where uh, it's also a joke on the stage, which is true. I'm, I'm also a graphic designer. So I made a shirt years ago for my bartenders in Northampton that said, Be nice to me, with a period. And customers would see this shirt and compliment the bartenders for. Such a positive message. So one day, I make this shirt for myself. The very first day I wear it, the very first guy who walks in, reads the shirt, be nice to me, looks up at me, and says, or else what, motherfucker? Like, for me, he took it as a threat. But from everybody else, it was an endearing, positive message, which is really cool. And uh, I had an experience with a, a, a comedian who headlined the show uh, at the Nook last Friday, never met this comedian. Um, and I tr- for my comedy shows, I'm really specific about the way I cultivate the lineup. So my rule is, unless I've seen someone, or unless they come highly recommended from one of my mentors or people who are respecting comedy, which is what this person was. And I don't know about my social media presence and what I say or how I look, but they were so thrown back by who I was and especially commented on loving the community that we're cultivating here at the Nook and gave me words of encouragement. I expressed this being so hard. This comedian was also a combat veteran, so we kind of vibed on that. But this comedian also said, you know what, a lot of the heavy hitters in the comedy game who come here say they've never seen a community or vibe 
like this in their entire career that we're cultivating it. This is the best comedy no one knows about. That's a, dude, honestly, it's probably, it's literally probably hands down my the favorite venue that I've been to in both Connecticut and Mass, 100%. I couldn't even, Thank like, because even the open mics kind of feel like, it, like, just the way the room's set up, it feels like, it kind of feels real. You know what I mean? Not yeah. trying to like shit on other places, but when you're doing it at some of these places, it's really kind of like there was one at a brewery that like had your voice projected outside. It was like six thirty at night, and those people outside weren't looking at you. And it's like it's really tough to practice open mic stuff with that like kind of vibe. Whereas like if it's like a crowd, it just feels a lot more. Like everyone's there to laugh, which is kind of cool. Exactly. Also, the college kids are there. You, I mean, that on Thursday nights, man, that room is full. Like you're standing room only in that room, which is great, man. I mean, the college kids are away now, and be, being really young in the game, I still don't have the, all the data points or the information from past years to be able to help me project into future. Which is <laughs> great, though. Um, but one of the things about this place is that. From top to bottom, from the front of the house to the back of the house, to the bartenders, to the owner who's behind the bar, to the guy in the kitchen, uh, two entities. It is, it, 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 oh, thank you, buddy. Yeah. Uh, it is family, man. It is family. And I think people come here. It's all about the experience. Because as with me with photography, especially clients who come in for a boudoir or boudoir or even headshot. Um, as a photographer myself, the thought of people take a picture of me is horrifying. But what I provide with comedy and photography is a space for people to be able to be themselves, to feel comfortable enough to tap into that beauty and that vulnerability. Uh, the cool thing about the Nook is that even if you're in the back room, which I think is it's clutch for comedy, a lot of places it's kind of like a quasi-semi-shared space between a bar or eatery and the comedy area, we have our own back room, but at any point, I don't care if it's the alley outside next to the nook or the bar, people are here. People come for the hang and it's the experience because just like with um, photography, yeah, clients get the pictures, but the experience, the, the, the camaraderie, the vote of confidence, and um, the, when they leave, feeling better than when they walked in. That is the magic sauce that I don't think many people have their, their finger on. Because, like I said earlier, I'm sorry I'm a little long-winded, but... No, go ahead. Uh, I looked for IEDs, roadside bombs in Iraq for a year. 82nd Airborne Division, combat engineer, paratrooper. Doing this, this past year, has been the hardest thing I've ever done. I questioned myself last week. I heard a voice in my head saying, fuck, did you make a mistake? Because my car has been broken down in my driveway for two months, which I'm selling back to my mechanic to hopefully get enough money, which I will, for tires for my motorcycle. You know, but I'm still moving. This is, guys, this is the level of the depth that where people implode or shit a fucking diamond. And I do my best work under pressure, which is great. Because that means I'm about, I'm about to do the best work I've ever done in my entire fucking life. Dude, I get, 
you got the right mindset about it. And also at the end of the day, what you what you said, I think that's really going to help just like you a hundred percent get to that point is the fact that you are building a community, which I feel like is something you mentioned even earlier about how some people are very like, they kind of have a real individual mindset about like comedy in general, which like really kind of did surprise me truthfully because everyone gets along for the most part, but it's like, it is, it does feel like there's a lot of like kind of inner drama that people like, I just don't get that. The community aspect is what's hello. Oh. I think I think Cooper might have cut off there for it a little bit. It was a wipeout. Can people hear me? Yeah. Yep. Start over, start over, though. Oh, word. Yeah, that was dope. But it's like fucking yanked the mic. I forgot I was fucking wired in. Um, but yeah, you got excited, man. I love it. Yeah, no, dude. At the end of the day, it's just like the creating that community. I think helps so much because no one, I feel like, is gonna kind of it's really hard to do stuff on your own at the end of the day like we've i feel like especially the last kind of few months have been able to help grow our shit because all of us are doing different stuff you know what i mean i think it's kind of starting to help grow like it's a community helps a a ton and that's like why i'm i'm super i love coming to the nook i say it all all the time and to us yeah, I yeah. literally tell them all the time. Literally, what probably one of the only mics that I genuinely because it's a dope spot. You and I feel like everybody, like you said, is up there always in a good mood, talking to like there's like I'm doing a podcast tomorrow with uh, Wave Dave and some. I think Nick James is gonna hop on and we're gonna like like it, before this the show we're gonna do like thirty minutes, do a little quick chat. Um, it just seems like I don't know. I always talk to people about doing stuff there. It seems like a lot more people are like there to be there as opposed to going to do their five minutes and leaving which i think helps in general i agree because you know being two years and going to different mics in connecticut and ct i mean i was hitting up four five six seven mics a week between connecticut and ct before covid um and i have i've had had people and some people who also produce shows um mention my collaboration with the note mentioned how I'm able to produce maybe didn't say but a certain level of quality shows because of my collaboration with the Nook, which is a 100% true. But I was doing this open mic for two months before a, a co-owner of the Nook was looking at the numbers and realized that whenever I do comedy, there's a five to six hundred percent increase in revenue, which is great. They, so they brought me on full time, and I made sure they knew my my you know my hard stance and, and treating people well and, and paying them well and compensating them. But that collaboration, although it has helped me produce a better quality show, um, for sure. So I do give that person one hundred percent credit for saying that. Uh, my response to that was, I had this collaboration because I earned it. Yeah. Which is which is really important for me. And when people come in here, you know, customers, audience members, comedians, um, and there's some there's some crossover there. I think the secret sauce, man, the reason why people fuck with me and vibe with the nook is because it's one hundred percent genuine, bro. From top to bottom. And I think in my heart people feel that. Fucking the whole 
no, I like yeah, hundred percent. And the sandwiches, man, I just can't fucking get over the sandwiches. <laughs> okay, like, eat, the sandwiches, food, are good. sandwiches. You earned, <laughs> you earned everything but the sandwiches. No, I'm just <laughs> no, I was gonna say when you said you earned it, I feel like that's important because especially when you're trying to grow something, like you have to take every win you get, and you can't just like back down almost. If you know what I mean, kind of like like there's there. That's like a, a like it's hard for me to word it, but pretty much like yeah, like you said, like it. it you earned that, and you have to let people know you earned that. Which is fair enough. I mean, you know, I appreciate you saying that, but it's hard for me because, like I said previously, people in comedy, and people in general, we all have egos, but the way people, a lot of times, externally motivated. People want to portray themselves in a way in which others will give them validation so then therefore they can give themselves validation. Um. I'm working the opposite, which I do a lot of times because people have been telling me for the past year how inspirational and motivating I am. And they want to do what I do and with all my heart and dissuade them as much as possible because um, it's, it's horrendous. But um, I'm getting more comfortable with owning my W's um, because I'm, what we are creating, and I say we because if, if it's not just the comedians, it's the audience members, it's the community. And community is key. Anything I've learned in my 37 years, including in the military, and, you know, about 20 years of working for myself, or not for myself, but for different jobs before I made the choice to work for myself, my most valuable asset, and not in a negative way, but my most valuable asset has been and will always be the relationships I have with people. Hands down. I'd rather have friends over money. Oh, 100%. Like, for example, today, I hopped in my car, I left my lights on. The car is dead. Oh, I've done that. Called, called a few friends of mine. It's been five minutes. They came through and helped me out, man. Um, another comedian, Cooper, you might know, uh, Ian Ian. You know, uh, I haven't seen him in a while. I was going to ask about him. Yeah, he's good. He's down kind of doing his thing and moving to a new place. But a couple of months ago, I, I need a new bed. Me and my girl, like, we have no money. We're just maintaining. I saw a post on Facebook. He said, hey, I just moved into a new place, and my mom gifted me a new bed. I have this queen size that's perfectly fine. Um, I tried to make arrangements to go pick it up. This motherfucker showed up at my house with his buddy and his pickup truck and delivered the bed and box spring to me from Manchester, Manchester, Connecticut. I'll be aware of that. Dude, dude, people helping people. I gave him 20 bucks in gas. It's probably didn't cover it, but it's all. It um, used to. It used to be fine, but. It used to be fine. But we can't make make comments on gas. Aaron will get mad. (laughs) Fair enough, man. No, No, but Cooper, man, I just want to say, I appreciate you, man, because. These are the moments which keep me going, man. These are the moments that solidify for me that what I'm doing is correct because for each of us, think of not only what had to happen in our individual lives to bring us together, but in the lives of everybody who existed in our lineage before us. We are here for a purpose. We are here at this moment for fucking greatness. And... Uh, I truly believe that, man. This is not an accident. And the ripples of what myself 
what my team, like uh, C.W. Davis and DJ Paul and Effect, who we produce shows, you know, they have many shows, and they add so much value, and everybody, the ripples of what we create and what you guys are creating with this podcast are, are going to be, we're going to be dead before we see the full effect of what we are doing here right now. And I want you guys to believe it. I appreciate that. That at the end of the day, that, like that's the thing. I, I, we did the podcast literally just to stay in touch with people during COVID, and then it kind of like people kept listening, and we're like, we're literally just putting a podcast out once a week. And since genuinely, since probably February is when we've started to stream. When we all have chance to, we've been like trying to grow the social medias, do this, and, and we've seen like kind of a lot a, a big boost in what we were expecting like we had a slower month in the uh, whatever month this was than we did last month and it still was like double what we were doing before we were doing stuff so it's just That's like amazing, dude. yeah and so at the end of the day it's not about we all have we're all doing like stuff this is like a side kind of thing for us like we all work and do stuff but like this is kind of still just been an opportunity to connect with each other. And then it's great having people like you do. We've had so many people on that. It's just great hearing people's stories, what they're doing. Like, dude, I, I've, I told them earlier, I was, I respect the hell of, out of what you're doing. I'm sure it's not an easy thing because like, I, I'm, I, I'm thankful for the opportunity to kind of like do stuff on the side, like I'm doing now and still have like a stability because like that, but that instability, man, like you, it probably is pushing you because you you were telling me like you need to like it, this is your plan and I think that like that extra gear is something that like even people like us I feel like don't have yet because it's like you are like kind of taking that next step which is what something I really respect like this is obviously something we're doing for fun but it's like I would love to grow it to be the like something that we do for a job that would be cool. I mean, especially because, well, dude, if Brooklyn's going to be a lawyer, man, like, I'll fucking, I'll make some, I'll pay rent with the fucking There's much money, like, like, doing, if you can make the, the amount of money, Cooper, that you make now, but doing what you love, you'd gladly yeah. take it. Dude, that's, you, that's the key right there. Dude, I mean, like you said, you, you gotta do, like, you, what you described as earlier, how you would sit at home, that was literally me last year, and we did the podcast once a week, and the podcast was that, like, one thing a week that got me like going that I was like, I'm excited to do it. And we kind of like stopped doing it a little bit last summer, which was unfortunate, but like it's always been something that's great. And now it's like, I feel like I'm talking to pro cup just as much now. I feel like them as we were like in college, which is great because we're collaborating, doing something. And we're, we also have people like we, we had two people like the last two weeks, we just had people who on who shoot the shit they were great guests, but like, we're also getting people on that are like doing stuff. So like Sunday, um, this is going to come out after, but we're having, uh, Mike Massaro, Lila Sparks. We're having two of our buddies from college that are making music, dropping music this summer. And my cousin nice. from Florida, who's gr- grown like a huge discord community. He streams and he's like making money now, like paying for bills with his Twitch on the side. So it's amazing, like, dude. Yeah, so it's like we're having all of them on talk for thirty minutes, kind of like we're doing now, but do it live. We'll be, have cameras, and we're just trying to grow shit, man. And just yeah, kind of do stuff. If, just, if you ever want to do anything live at the Nuggets, the doors are open, buddy. Dude, I'm at the end of the day, man. I'm a hundred percent. I was like, uh, 
even like when you were talking about the like the drunk history thing, even if that's long term, like if you ever have someone who wants to, I I would fucking love to go up there and talk about. I would vouch for Cooper because that's like his thing. I'm not, dude, I'm dude. telling you, that's something I would fucking like. That would be probably the that's like just go up there 15 minutes and ramble like that's the dream, man. So literally, like even ideas like that, man. I'll 100. percent I I I'm. Would love to to collaborate, Buddha. Of course, it would be great. We're yeah, always man, trying to do stuff. Awesome. We, we uh, I have a meeting tomorrow with the rest of the crew right here at the Nook, as we do for weekly meetings. So, you know, it's me, the owners, and the the woman who books the, the music venue because they do also awesome music stuff here. Um, but we're trying to dive and like with with uh, summer and I was told by my mentor, but, you know, summer's tough. And, you know, me being the hard headed guy that I am, I was like, well, I want to find out. And, Fucking tough, you know. Especially yeah. with the economy and stuff like that, man. But um, you know, we're committed to space for not only comedy shows and the open mic, but I opened up the doors on Sunday for uh, Tom, Tom Roche, Tom Foolery. Um, they're going to be doing a, a sketch comedy show here. Uh, and Rob Santos, but it's each one teach one. You know, one of my big mentors, his his comedy workshop, which helped me a lot early on in my journey, which I, you know, in part credit my success to. Um, if you ever wanted to collaborate here at the Nook and do something, the doors are always open. Dude, we appreciate that. hundred uh, percent. We'll, we'll definitely, we'll definitely hit you up. There'll be something like, even if we do like a, like one of the like live stream things from there and we can get all the that'd comics there, that'd be cool. We would definitely do something. We'll, we'll definitely talk to you about that. Cause that, that would be dope. Um, what time are we looking at? Thanks for jump stream. Poop, I wanted to say, um, yeah. are you looking at something or are you? No, 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 go ahead. Yeah. I feel like the TikTok is like, we're, we're due for like, it's we're like due active. for a big one. I, I we, thought the Hobbit do. comment would get him. I know. Like I, that honestly, TikTok is the most fun thing. Essentially, it's like, oh, we yeah. don't follow trends, Coop. And it's so it's like, we just spew nonsense and we usually get like, I care about the interactions more than anything, Coop. Dude, like the dude there was good, some like... kid who, it blew my mind. I have never seen anything like it. I posted a video, and it actually made me feel good, because it was like a comment on like a side, like a side video. It was like this video, this kid's like, my girlfriend was going on a girl's trip to my to Miami with her hoe friends, so I dumped her. <laughs> like, so it was like, like, basically just like, but it wasn't a joke. So I like made a comment on it, like it kind of sucks that like relationships are like something that people just have no faith in or something nowadays. And someone like made a side comment and like had a conversation. Like they were like continued from a text chain and moved it over to the comment section. And I thought like, I thought they were For talking sure. about me and I was like, is this about me? Or are you guys like doing something on the <laughs> no, side? They're no. like, Oh, we used you in an argument. I'm like, fuck yes. <laughs> but dude, it's just some of the people are nonsense. I can't, I can't remember what I fucking said. The, but yeah, Aaron, our TikTok is due. We've had a few that like we have got to like a thousand views quick and like get to two hundred likes and forty comments, and I'm like, oh yes, it's about to take off, and then it just dies, and I'm like, damn. <laughs> what do you guys? What'd you say? One of those things that I'm trying to learn myself, but yeah, I haven't posted much comedy. It's just mostly uh, insane videos. Uh, I have a butt pillow that I do. Uh, not that I do, but like it's like. It's weird, but it's like, hey, welcome back to another episode of Buddha Joe and his butt pillow. And it's just like, you know what, never mind. 
<laughs> but, but, but TikTok where is, is good. Buddha Joe's OnlyFans? Is that where that was? No, no. It's, it's uh, on TikTok. Buddha Joe Comedy. the same thing. I love the social media. You'll be able to see, dude. Uh, I just create nonsense, dude. Yeah, Cooper and I basically just scroll our For You page until we find something that pisses us off, and then we just, like, rant for, like, a minute. I love it. I love it, dude. I love it. Coop, the one I did with about the... What was it? The picture? It was a picture of um a map, and it was, like... It was a picture of New York City, right? And then the caption was like, oh, and you think sub- suburban and rural Americans are bad for, for the... For, like in the environment and i like really deadpan and sarcastically was like yeah we should take all eight million people who live in new york and make them live in the suburbs make them drive to olive garden because that would be awesome <laughs> and like so many half the people like ludy were like mad at me and like and it was both sides it was either the people who knew i was being sarcastic but like couldn't accept that like living in a fucking boring suburb is just the worst thing in the world versus and then the people who were like super like environmentalists who thought I was like an idiot, and I was like, I don't want, like I just like I don't Dude, the key is pissing people time. off. You just need yeah. to not piss off the ge- the the general. You can't piss off a majority. You you got to be able to have at least fifty percent of the, the 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 comments on your side, or you're screwed. I I, you, I disagree with that. I disagree respectfully. I disagree. Maybe I not fifty percent of the comments. Maybe. Maybe if a normal, I I always try to think of it as like, am I having a normal take here on what, like, that's what I kind of think about. Cause then I'm like, if the 10% of people who are delusional get pissed, then I can take that out. But if it's like, if you piss off like 50% of the people, you can kind of hit or I guess it matters the topic, but still. Well, you know what? I I agree with you in, in a certain respect, but also, um, like, I just watched that. It was on YouTube, man. I watched like an hour, maybe hour and a half, two hour long documentary about Patrice O'Neill. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, who, who ran with Bill Burr and whatnot, and who unfortunately died before I even knew about him. But uh, one of my inspirations for comedy, too, one of my, you know, one of my people who I, I'm a fan of, because comedy is one of those things that not everyone's going to like, but. I believe in like staying true, saying like even if what you have to say is gonna like rub people the wrong way, that means that doesn't necessarily mean say it, but that also doesn't necessarily mean don't say it, you know, yeah, I know exactly see the only reason I do it a little differently on the internet is because I'm like the internet like i see i i I've had a few lucky ones where I made a video calling Cleveland a shithole and like who would ever live in this like stupid city but like what it didn't sound as bad it was like a minute where I was going up and down being like ramped up and then a influencer in Cleveland with like 40,000 followers like blue check mark stitched it but took all the worst parts where I'm like shithole like these people are dumb (laughs) like fucking like the worst parts and this was like early on when i posted it and i'm like i'm gonna lose my job because like my boss is gonna be from cleveland or something and he's gonna see that i'm like fucking getting torn apart by the entire city and i panicked a little bit i kept the video up and i didn't back down in our videos comment but i went over on that guy's video and i was like oh i didn't know you guys had an art museum i like this like took the L. <laughs> like, what you should have done is back double down because obviously but you're not a sports guy, but there's a famous clip. You may have seen it 
of this basketball player talking about how much he hates Cleveland. And there's a quote and he goes, have you ever seen anybody go, I want to go to Cleveland on vacation? No, right? And you should have taken that video and just quoted it with it. And just had him saying that. Yeah, and that would have no just problem. taken us off. Yeah, dude. It, I still think that girl's paid. I watch her videos every he day. He likes our videos. She likes them all the time. I want her on the podcast. I respect it. so bad. She's definitely a robot or not real. Like, she's get, she's she like has NPC Buddha, characteristics. But Buddha, I'm not, not trying to, like, talk shit because she's a very pretty lady. I'm not saying that. But she's, like, mid-30s. Like, what, like she's from L.A. Like, she's basically, like, not going to lie. She couldn't cut it in L.A., so she moved. But she, moved, she picked Cleveland. Yeah, so, so she's, she's, like... She's, she's the L.A. 3, but the Cleveland 10. Yeah. She is she's not even in L.A. 100%. Three. She's probably, like, in L.A. She... she would be fine in LA, but now she's the queen of Cleveland, probably. But, but she like swims in lake, like she like swims in the lake in the city and shit. And I'm like, this girl's gonna get like disease. Like, don't swim in there, man. Gross. It's like a sad. Sure, Every time I've went to Cleveland, it's raining, never sunny. <laughs> I probably will never step foot in Cleveland. I'm just gonna be quite honest. Trying to go everywhere, man. See, I've been to Cleveland. It didn't win me over either time I went. (laughs) Fair enough. I will go. See, the only thing is with Midwest places is like, if you go to like somewhere like Cincinnati, I guess I'd go to like a Bengals game. But then, like, what am I there for? Like, I know they have shit. Like, don't get me wrong. No, no, I think the Midwest is chili on the spaghetti. The Midwest is a great place to live, but not necessarily like visit. Like, I, do you remember those ads? We I don't know if you guys get them in Connecticut or, like, you've seen them. It's those ads. It's, like, Visit Michigan. Yeah. It's, like, I'll fully admit it looks pretty, but it's, like, okay, if I want to see a big body of water, I'll drive. I live by one. Yeah, I live by one. Um, yeah, it's better. If I want to see a forest, I live in one. Like, it's kind of, yeah. like, like. if And I don't need a go And there's, there's also mountains here. But it's it's just, like, yeah. I bet it's nice for people who live there. But, like, don't try to convince people from New York, Vermont, New Hampshire. To try to come to Michigan, like I'm sorry, it doesn't blow my mind. It looks like Plymouth, and like I don't tell like people, Plymouth. I don't convince. Like you see the Blue Hills, like not the Blue Hills, the Pine Hills, like the cranberry box. It's like okay, like yeah, it's nice. I think it's scenic, but I'm not going to spend yeah, four hundred dollars round a trip yeah. to go to the, the the Upper Peninsula. I'll go to Maine. <laughs> like there you go, Michigan, put on blast. <laughs> But yeah, I'm, uh, it's honestly there's so many places that I just like. Like my girlfriend's going to Nashville with all her friends, and that's a place I get you got to go to, and like I'll go there, one hundred percent. But it just like I. Well, I don't. I, I, I think don't know. We're you're spoiled. going there to drink. That's why you got to go when you're young. Because I feel I like, think like we're you're, spoiled you're going there to drink. Being from the Northeast, like we have the best cities, the best people, the best food, the best culture, and so it's just like, the best food. Else. You'd say. In the Northeast, yeah. Like, we don't have the best Mexican food, but I don't know. Like, you can't get a good sub outside of fucking <laughs> second you leave. Dude, they got subways down here, too. Like, like no. Yeah, Connecticut's, like, the fucking it's Ohio. It's weird, man. Like, Never seen so many subways. Like, I didn't realize that, like, people don't know what a good I sub is. California, like, says the food here is insanely better. Joey, you're quiet. Joey, you sound horrendous, dude. <laughs> He's chilling, dude. No, I, I think uh, I actually... I, I judge a place's diversity by their food. You know, like, I'm from Queens, man. Jackson Heights, bro, you can throw a stone and hit a fucking 
uh, Ecuadorian restaurant, the Colombian restaurant, Jamaican We need to argue the most diverse place on the planet. Fair enough. Fair enough. You know, no, what, I'm just saying, so, so you know, like, what to look for. Like, the bar has been set really high for you, which is a good thing. Fair enough, man. But, like, That's even Northampton or, like, places that, uh, like, to think they're super woke, it's, like, three Mexican restaurants, a bunch of Asian fusion restaurants, and, like, and they're Shit, not, not, I don't know about Northampton. It's people, but the who... Mexican restaurants normally suck, man. It's like yeah, I'll say we don't have good Mexican food here, but every town opens this restaurant that serves the same slot, man. And it's like, why do you not like? There's no one who like wants to. Op- I, I I would go to an authentic place, but that's just me. But yeah, these woke areas around the Northeast in general, their food. Oh yeah, it's terrible. people who fucking cried when Hillary didn't get elected and then refused to <laughs> vote for policies that actually will help disenfranchise people. That's called. That's the white part. That's funny, but I, I meant to. No. I want to pick the way I meant to sports. So, but interesting. <laughs> yeah, we, we uh, my like the, I made a joke about it the other day. <laughs> no, I just don't have enough information to oh, have no. a judgment. Oh, no, I was yeah. just saying. Yeah, I mean, it's like people say they're not racist, but like it's like you know what I mean. You like look, they'll they'll cross yeah, the street. Pe- people who say, "Listen, I'm not racist." Yeah, um, it's those people. <laughs> that's. Exactly what a racist would say. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's, it's the same people who, like, look at the South and, like, act like the New England wouldn't be any different. You know what I mean? It's like, we don't yeah. live. I, don't live. Actually, like, I just like I, shit on I, everyone. I just like shit on I hate Europeans. We didn't get, like, a... We, yeah, we, we haven't gotten get to that, that point. We, we, we don't have to, but, like, like there's yeah. we're not big Europe people. Because Europeans annoy me because they act like they're better, but they do the same shit where like, like Western Europe's like the only places that have all the cool shit they talk about, by the way. Like they forget about the whole, like, and they're the size of America. So it's like basically like they have their Alabamas and stuff. It just is the Ukraine and Lithuania. And at the end of the day, our Alabama isn't in, at war. Just want to point that out. I'm just Jesus Christ. Maybe I don't know, man. You yeah, never know. There. <laughs> this I is a weird thing, guys. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. really I've I I've been a fan of is the uh the, there was this one fucking place that did it really well. It's like the crazy noodles, like the the uh, like I I don't even know what country it comes from. It's not Chinese, like so I don't want to be ignorant. Uh, but the noodles that I had, there was this place in Portland, Maine that was nuts. That was, you know, like half the reason I was excited to go to Portland, Maine this weekend, besides spending all my entire fucking paycheck on stupid beer. But, um, <laughs> dude, the fucking food, I love, I wish there that's was more shit. Food, like, that's what I hate about where I'm at, man. There's like a fucking place that serves like 90, like 99 style food that they like just microwave. And it's like, I'm not going to fucking pay for that. There's, and then there's a pizza place above the strip club. By my house, and then everything else is like forty-five minutes away from this stupid fucking house. Cannot wait to be out of this. Live out of the cut, bro. Dude, I live in fucking Tallinn. It's boring as shit. I cannot stand it. Like, granted, it was not stepping back into the Dorchester uh, atmosphere after being in Tallinn. Uh, hey, praise to uh, somebody special in your life. Maybe potentially having to come back to the dude, Boston area. Dude. Cause... Prayers up for fucking yeah. Prayers up for that. Prayers up for Harvard admission. Uh, yeah, admission people. But anyway, imagine the team and fucking the dog. Dude, get so. get the bands back together. Live. The band will is... have live stuff all the time. But yeah. anyway, what else do we got here? 
Buddha, any fucking hot, other hot takes? Yeah, maybe hot, hot takes. Let's finish off with a hot take. Let's see, hot takes. Uh, I got a lot of them, man. What do you, what do you want a hot take about comedy or about life? Or what, what is it? Give me, give me some direction here, coach. Hmm. Pro Cop, what do you want to hear? I haven't heard you talk literally in the hour and a half that we were doing this. Well, well, you guys have been just on fire. I'm loving this conversation. As like an audience member to this, as an audience member to this conversation, it's been quite, uh, quite a journey. Uh, let's see, what's a good topic? Um, oh my god, it's gonna be great because you're not gonna hear that until I put it out. It's mad funny. <laughs> oh yes. All right. Um. Okay, you're taking uh, too long, man. Yeah, I keep going to gas. <laughs> I keep going to gas. <laughs> All right, so I, I just pick my own hot take, man. Uh, my hot take is on uh, this life itself, man. You know what are we doing out here, man? It's, it's 2022, surviving a fucking epidemic across the entire globe. People listening, if if not, if if if. Now is not the ch- the time you choose to do whatever the fuck you want to do, whatever it is you dreamed of, and it's never gonna happen. Also, second hot take: Thursday nights at the Nook. If you're a comedian or a fan of comedy and you're not here, you're wrong. Because when you're at the Nook, you're home, right, Kevin? Oh, high five! Shout out to fucking Kev. Shout out to Buddha Joe. That is a fact. If you're around, you're a comedy, comedian, you already probably have heard about the Nook. But if not, come visit me in Connecticut before I hopefully leave this place. And then we can go to the Nook on a Thursday and get a sandwich, see some fucking dope comedy. Um, we appreciate everybody who has stopped by. Buddha Joe, thank you for coming on. We will definitely fucking have you on again. We will for sure take you up on that offer of doing something at the Nook because the Nook is dope. Um, future people on, I think it's either going to be Pro Cop's friend, or we're having another comedian, Cliff Lula, on, um, and maybe Nick James, I'll just throw the ball in. And I have a lot of stories. Oh, my lord. Aaron, we honestly should do, save it for the fucking, no, you probably picked it anyway. Anyways, Buddha Joe, shout out to you, Pro Cop, you can end the recording. Thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. I'm fucking. I uh, since I don't have the back to find it.